Hope City Church, hope you're doing all right today. Hope you're doing better than all right. Hope you're doing awesome. Uh, my name's Jason, the pastor here. This is my wife, Andrea, and uh, we're excited to spend a few minutes with you guys. We are finishing our series, Limits, that we have, uh, so we started three weeks ago. We started talking about limits, embracing God's limits. That was the first week and uh, how limits are always about love. God has a way for us to live our life. We don't want to embrace that and we get outside of that. And then last week we talked about breaking out of the limits that we put on ourselves. They're not, have nothing to do with God. We put them on ourselves and limit, you know, who we can be, how we can believe, pray, try. Uh, and so we don't want, you know, we pick those up along the way. We want to push those aside. So for this last week of limits, I asked Andrew to come up here and uh, teach with me because we want to talk a little bit about embracing limits that are ne- not necessarily like the God you know, sin salvation limits, but really wise, responsible, I would say spiritual limits that we want to embrace in our lives when it comes to our jobs, our families, being a parent, being a spouse, uh, being a friend. Um, And it's always better when she's up here with me doing this. You know, we actually, some of you guys know this story, but uh, years ago, I don't know, my time, I mess up my timelines, but like eight years ago, let's just say eight years ago, we had a a consultant or a guy come in to the church to uh, help us. I was a young pastor. We're trying to figure out how to do some things. And he came in for the weekend and uh, he was with us all weekend. And then before he left, he was kind of going over some thoughts about the church. And he said, I want to tell you one more thing. And it's probably the most important thing. I said, what's that? He said, "Um, have Andrea with you at all times. (laughs) He's like, we like you, but we love her. So just wherever you go, just have Andrea. And I've taken that to heart. So she's up here with me today. Um, but we want to talk about, about those limits. And uh, I told you guys a story one time about in the book, Divine Mentor. There's a story about this tree that was planted in 1606 that grew eventually where it was grown, eventually became Yosemite National Park, grew to over 200 feet tall. And one day, unexpectedly, it just fell over. And so uh, it was dead. And so the park did a study trying to figure out why the tree fell. There wasn't a windstorm. There wasn't insect damage. There wasn't a fire. There wasn't lightning or anything like that. They were trying to figure out what made the tree fall. And what they came to discover was that the cause of the fall of the tree was foot traffic. They found that over the years... So much foot traffic around the tree had damaged the root system and had killed the tree and had caused it to fall. And so they instituted a new policy at Yosemite and they put fences around the bases of the tree. And they said the reason they did that was to protect the root system. They didn't want people to be able to get close enough with foot traffic uh, to damage the root system. And so in a way, what we want to talk about today is we want to talk about putting fences around the root system of our life around our family, around our marriage? How do we put fences around? Because Proverbs 4, you're probably familiar with this, Proverbs 4, 23, uh, it says, guard your heart. This is the way the Bible says it, is to guard your heart because everything you do flows out of it. This is the Christian belief. This is the Christian idea that everything in your life comes from the inside out. And religion and society and culture, they'll try to fix the outside of you, but Jesus wants to change the inside of you. And and so everything that you do comes out of who you are, out of who you are. And so the Bible says, if that's true, and it is, then we, we have to guard our hearts because everything comes from that. 
And so for all of us in the room right now, we have things we don't like about ourselves. We have things that we do that we wish we didn't do. We have ways that we live that we don't wanna live. And we keep trying to fix the outside. We keep trying to fix the habits. We keep trying to fix the, uh, the mistakes or the actions, but it's not really about the mistakes or the habits or the actions. It's really about what's happening on the inside of us. And the habits and the actions are just the fruit of what's happening. And if we could figure out how to guard our heart, we could figure out how to put fences around our heart to embrace the limits that we need to embrace so that we can stand and live and, and be fruitful, then, um, then that's what God wants, us to, wants to help us do, to guard that. And so we want to we talk about that um, and, and, and how that for all of us, we wish that things were a little bit better. But we recognize that it's hard, right? When we're talking about wanting um, healthy things in our lives, when we're talking about our lives looking better, feeling better, um, we are like, yeah, sign me up for that. Uh, Absolutely. But why is it so hard for us to set up boundaries, for us to have limits, for us to embrace fences around our hearts? Why then, if we're like, yes, sign me up, why? Why is it so challenging? Maybe for some of us, it really is FOMO, right? It's that fear of missing out. If I say no to one thing, if I, if I say turn down a, a social event or I, I don't agree to do that extra thing at work, like what if, what, but, but what if something awesome happens and I'm not there? That's a real thing. I can definitely attest to that. Where are my other FOMO people at? Where are y'all at? Yes, this is, this is real. What about this one? Maybe it's not your fear of missing out, but your fear of disappointing. Right? For so many of us, we are driven, we are motivated by people pleasing. We don't want to let anybody down. Guilt takes over and we're like, oh, but they might not like me. How many people pleasers in the room? Where are the people pleasers? I need you to raise your hand for me. Do it for no, me. I need you it. to raise your hand. <laughs> Preacher Jed. Oh man. man, yes. We know that the people pleasing, the fear of disappointing others, the fear or the guilt, um, those are real emotions that we are having to reconcile with that, that keep us from setting boundaries, keep us from having from having limits. Some of us, it, it really is just, we enjoy overindulgence. That's me as well. Uh, yeah, I, I like good things that feel good. And in the moment they feel so good. And then in the wake, we're left disappointed and discouraged because yet again of our lack of discipline. All of these, and if you check off on all of those examples, man, it's an uphill battle, right? Just trying to establish healthy boundaries and healthy healthy limits. I think FOMO, not wanting to disappoint people, being undisciplined, all these things are real. But I think the biggest challenge to to putting fences around our heart, to guarding our heart is the reality that we don't believe we need to. Hmm. We don't believe we need limits because we believe we're unlimited. Did you, did you know that about yourself, that you probably believe you're unlimited? You would never say it out loud. You'd never say, I believe I'm unlimited. But you, if you look at your life, your schedule, your spending, your relationships, you have to believe you're unlimited because you keep committing yourself or keep extending yourself and you buy it now, figure out how to pay for it later. Commit to it now, figure out how to fit it in later, right? And, and, and somewhere in us, we believe that we are unlimited. We don't have to embrace limits because we can do it all. We can be it all. We can help everyone. We can buy it all. We can do it. We believe that we are unlimited, Think about it right now. I want you to think about the last maybe three months, four months of of your life. 
And if you were to think about the things that frustrate you or the disappointments that you faced or the, or the times you've been mad at yourself or those things that you've done that you wish you hadn't committed to, but you, you did them anyway, or maybe, maybe you bought something and the bill came in or whatever it is, you think about it. Yeah. Most of those disappointments or frustrations or hurt or come from not embracing limits. And the Bible actually has something to say about this. In Matthew chapter six, uh, Jesus said this to us. It'll be up on the screen for you if you're watching online or here in the room. In Matthew chapter six, Jesus shows up and he said in verse 31, he said, so don't worry about these things, the things he's talking about he listed before about like money and, um, and your everyday life, food and drink, clothing. He says, don't worry about these things saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Maybe you've heard this verse before as uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Those are um, some older translations. But in, in these verses, Jesus is talking about limits and priorities. And he draws a distinction between, he uses the word unbeliever. And so we're talking about unbelievers and believers. If you're here and your faith is in Jesus, that you have committed your life to Jesus, you, you've put your faith in Jesus, not in yourself, but in Jesus. Then he's saying that there should be a difference. There is a distinction between people who are unbelieving and people who are believers. Well, what's the difference? He says, the difference is, what unbelieving people, what their brain is dominated by. And what their brain is dominated by is the worries of life. They're worried about all the things that they need to get done and all the things that need to happen in their life and where they'll be and what they'll do and who they'll know. He says, these are the things that the word he uses dominate their minds, which is challenging for us and convicting for us because we maybe need to step back for a second and say, are those things dominating my mind? When I think about the things that I think about, when I think about the, the pressures that I feel, is it all of the things in everyday life or is the thing that's occupying my brain and my heart, is it above all else? Is it seeking first God and the kingdom of God? And I grew up in church and I, I heard this verse preached on so often and we talk about it in such grandiose ways, like it's not actually practically possible. Like seeking first the kingdom of God is just some kind of, uh, figurative thing. It's just something that like, it would be nice, you know, it's in some bubble somewhere, but Jason, like real life is real and I got to deal with real life and it's seeking first God's kingdom or above all else, prioritizing God, that just doesn't seem possible. But Jesus is talking about it here in a way that makes it, talks about it like it is possible. And really what Jesus is talking about is he's talking about priorities. Everybody say priorities. Priorities. I don't know if you knew this or not, probably not, but um, for 1400 years, the word priority was the word priority ended in a Y priority. And the definition for 1400 years of the word priority was something that matters most. But 500 years ago, humans didn't like that you could only have one priority. So we changed the word and we created the word priorities. It's a true story. And now Priority becomes priorities, and the definition is not what matters most, but it what, it's what matters more. If you look up the word priorities, it will say a distinction between two things and something that matters more. 
So we actually changed the word, and by changing the definition, we thought we could change the reality. And so we live in a world where we are taught by our bosses or our teachers or advertising, we are taught that you can have multiple things that are most important. But this is impossible. It's impossible. It is not possible to have priorities. Something matters most. There is, there is something in your life that matters more than anything else. And whatever that is, is what drives your decisions. It drives, you. it drives what you wake up thinking about. It's what matters most to you. And so Jesus in Matthew 6, he is saying that if your priority, if what matters most to you is God's kingdom, God's way of life, God's rule, God's reign, God's leadership in your life, following God, having a relationship with God. If that is what is your priority, if that what matters most to you, he says, then all these things will be added unto you. In essence, what he's saying is, is that if you will say yes to me being most important, I will make all the other pieces of your life fit together the way they're supposed to go. But if you don't, if you try to make everything most important, then what will happen is you will be dissatisfied with every area because you won't get everything out of everything that you're trying to make most important. Does that make sense? And think about your life right now. Isn't this true? That when you try to split your time up, your money up, your relationships up, and you try to be everywhere to everybody all the time, isn't it true that instead of you know, maximizing life and thinking that by doing more, you'll have more excitement, more pleasure, more relationships. Isn't it true that really what you feel is just a general dissatisfaction with every area? You're not as committed as you want to be. You don't have as much as you want to do. You're not able to be the friend you want to be. You're not able to be the parent you want to be and the spouse you want to be or the spouse you want to be and the parent you want to be, the employee you want to be and the parent you want to be. You're not able to save and spend. And so you're just dissatisfied with every other area. But Jesus says something profound if we actually believe it's possible and not just grandiose. He says that if you will say yes to me as the priority and no to other things, if you'll say no to other things and yes to me, then I will make sure that all the other yeses in your life that you're supposed to have will fit together. Yeah, so good. But you got to say yes to me and no to the other things. But if you say yes to everything else in the process, you don't think you're saying no to me. But if by saying yes to everything else, you're, you're not prioritizing me, then you'll never get all the other pieces to fit together. And you're going to be tired. Anybody tired? Mm. Exhausted, disgruntled, discontent, broke, stressed, discouraged. But a yes to God as the most important makes all the other pieces of your life fit together. So the question is, what's most important? Now, listen, this is easier said than done because the struggle's real. We're talking about fences. We're talking about limits. We're talking about boundaries. And, and, and in our life, like, this is great, Jason, that you're talking about this, but like, it's just really hard to actually live out because you want me to like establish boundaries and limits. But as a parent, I feel like I can never say no to my kid. Like nobody prepared me for this as a parent, that every decision, I feel like I'm ruining their life. Anybody, any parents can relate to this? They want a popsicle from the ice cream truck. And I'm like, no. And I feel like what I'm saying is I hate you. I'm just saying, I don't want to spend $8 on an ice cream sandwich, but they, I feel like what they're hearing is I don't love you anymore. I, I feel like not buying my kid the yearbook, you know, the $48 yearbook at the school. 
is me saying, I don't love you. And it's, I know it's not, but I, I was not prepared for how I feel like I'm constantly disappointing my children. Setting limits for my kids is, is a tough one. Or maybe it's at your work. You're saying, okay, you're talking about guarding my heart, but I feel like if, if I leave at five and everybody else stays till six, that I'm gonna get passed over. If I get in at 8.30, but they get in at 7.30, then they're gonna get the opportunities. They're gonna get the raise. Or maybe as a friend, you feel like, you know, I've got to be the best friend. I can't just be a friend. I've got to be the best friend, which means I've got to always be available. Maybe you're in a role in life where you feel like you're, 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 what makes your job your job is your availability. And so you're like, I've got to be available. And we even brag about those things. And we say, call me and I'll answer. If I don't answer, I'm either asleep or dead is what we say, right? And we celebrate, email me and I'll get right back to you or what, whatever it is. Text me, and if I don't respond, just text me again. Text me again. And so we feel this real pressure in life. We feel forced to be available. We feel embarrassed if we can't do something. We feel left out. But Jesus modeled limits for us because we, as Christians, literally believe that Jesus was unlimited and he left unlimited to come and choose limitation. He left being God and came to be a human And so 73% of his time, he went from being uh, able to be everywhere at all times to being in one place at one time in Jesus, in the form of Jesus. And so 73% of his time, he spent with 12 disciples. That means he was saying no to everyone else to say yes to them. Jesus, who had the ability to heal everyone, didn't heal everyone. I want you to think about that, all the pleasers in the room. Mm -hmm. If you had the ability to heal every disease and solve every problem, and you just walked past people with problems, Jesus did that. Jesus didn't heal everybody. Jesus could have fought back, but he didn't fight back. He could have saved himself, but he didn't. Jesus embraced limitations. He walked away from crowds to be alone, to to replenish himself. These are the things that our example in Jesus Christ did. And so as Christians, we want to embrace our limits. We wanna embrace our limits. And really what we're talking about is boundaries. If you guys will help us, where are my helpers at here? Do we have anybody? Oh. They're gonna bring us up something here uh, to kind of give you an example of this. But really what we're talking about is boundaries. We're using the word limits because we're in a series called Limits. But really what we're talking about is boundaries. And so we wanna give you a visual. I really want this to kind of get stuck in your brain, kind of seared in your brain. appreciate it, fellas. Thank give you. our volunteers a hand Hello. here. Matching shirts. Matching shirts. Is that part of bringing this up is you yes. have to match shirts? So we're talking about boundaries and um, I want you to kind of get this image in your head because God created your life. This is gonna blow some of your minds here, but God created you with limitations. And a boundary is really, think of like a boundary line for, for a house, but a boundary is really just a line that marks the limits of an area. So, so a boundary line, like on your property, lets you know where you stop cutting your grass because the next yard is their yard and that's their responsibility, right? It lets you know what's yours and what's not yours. It lets you know what's your responsibility and what's not your responsibility. It lets you know what's off limits. These are boundaries. You have a a boundary line in your house with God created your life with boundary lines. And interestingly enough, one of the ways that the Bible describes sin is the word trespass. That you're trespassing. Think about that for a second. 
So, so some of the ways that we sin in life, a lot of the ways that we sin in life, the Bible says, is just going beyond the boundaries that God has set up for us. That, that Satan tempts us with something outside of, boundary, of, of our boundary line, and we embrace that, and we, are, and we are trespassing. And so God designed life best when you stay within your boundaries and other people stay within their boundaries. And then relationships happen between people with boundaries. Even in a marriage, I have to have boundaries between my wife and my children. In my job, I I have to have boundaries in how I work And what I do in the way that I spend my money, I have to have boundaries in the way that I say yes and the way that I say no. And a boundary is when you could say yes, but you choose to say no. Being forced to say no is not a boundary. But a boundary is when you could say yes, but you choose to say no. Because you say that's not for me or that's not my responsibility or I, I could, but I'm not going to because of the, the life that God has created me to live. And so I want to handle what's my responsibility and I want to stay away from the things that are off limits. And so we want to encourage you specifically in three, in three ways, three ways to embrace, brown, embrace boundaries. Number one, I can't help everyone. Number two, I can't be everywhere. And number three, I can't have everything. Let me say that again. We're talking about relationships, schedule, and money, really. But by embracing, embracing boundaries, what we're saying is I can't help everyone. Come on, all the codependents. Save your complex people. I can't help everyone. Mm. We're, we're saying I can't be everywhere. There are things I just have to say no to schedule-wise. And I can't have everything. Mm. I can't have everything. And so we need the courage to be able to embrace these boundaries. Let's talk about each of these for just a second. First, let's talk about how I can't help everyone. That God created life best when in our relationships, we embrace our limits and our boundaries, which means I can't try to take more responsibility for someone else's life than they will take responsibility for themselves. That's huge. Let me say that again. I can't take more responsibility for someone else's life than they will take responsibility for themselves. And this is so hard for those of us who have a savior complex, those of us who feel called to help people, those of us who serve in roles where our job, I'm talking about school teachers, Mm -hmm. married to one, Mm -hmm. principals, police officers, counselors, pastors, parents, that, that God did not create me to be able to manage and be responsible for more people than myself. I can figure out ways to be helpful, but I have to embrace the boundaries that, that God has, has given me when it comes to relationships. And we talked to so many people, and Andrea, you can speak to this, but we talked to so many people, especially sometimes, let me say this, sometimes we talk to females who are in really toxic relationships, like dating romantic relationships. Yeah. And when you say like, hey, you know, why don't you break up with them? Yeah. They will say back sometimes like, 
I feel bad doing that because I feel like I'm all they have, or I feel like I'm helping them keep it together. Sometimes there's substances or addictions or things. And they say, well, if I was to break up with them, or if I was to end the relationship, I feel like, you know, fill in the blank. And really what they're saying is, I feel like they're my responsibility. Yeah. I think it's hard too. A lot of us feel like we're wired to be nurturers. We're wired to be caretakers. Um, and it can be so hard to, um, the, the, the most helpful thing that I have found is to articulate in the relationships that I have what I am going to do to help that person and what I'm not going to do to help that person. So a really practical example might be, I will go to the counselor's office and drop you off and then you can take it from there. So it's not even, I threw a phone number at you to call a counselor. It's, listen, I'll come pick you up that first time and I'll go with you because I know it can be really hard to do that. But from there, listen, you've got to own it. And, and just be super clarifying on whatever those boundaries are. Listen, son, you're moving out this week. Your dad and I are gonna help pay half of your rent, but you've got all of the other bills, right? That's not harsh. That's not ugly. That is, that is launching them into places of health, yeah. right? That, I think sometimes, especially as Christians even, that we can uh, cross-communicate community with codependence, And it is so important that we understand that the mental health of someone else ultimately is on them, Uh that the physical health of someone is ultimately on them. Even the spiritual health of someone is ultimately on them. And I will walk right here beside you within my boundaries. We'll walk right side by side, but I'm not, I'm not come. I can't come hop into your boundaries. And the more that you articulate that, it will eventually come across as love, I promise. Yeah. It will come across as care. But we are afraid to be the ones to set those boundaries because we think somehow that's going to either uh, make the relationship obsolete or they're going to somehow, and they may, mm. you may get grief about it. I'll be the leverage, but you got to pull yourself up. They may make you feel guilty, but yeah. I think we can, we can keep reiterating and it will go a long way. Yeah. And I think sometimes we get in the way of the restoring or healing process because sometimes people have to feel the pain of failure or the pain of the bottom or the whatever it is so that they can then begin the real building process. But right before somebody hits bottom, we keep sliding in to try to make sure they don't. And we're we're not embracing boundaries. I want to read this to you. This is a a fable I read recently about... um, a savior complex. It says, once upon a time, there lived a man who had given a great deal of thought and effort to determine what he wanted from life. Then one day a door opened for him to actually live his dream, but the opportunity would be available only for a short time and he would have to embark on a long journey. As uh, he began walking, he grew more and more excited as he envisioned his future dream becoming a reality. As he hurried along, however, he came to a bridge high above a dangerous, rapidly flowing river. As he started across the bridge, he noticed a stranger approaching him from the opposite direction. The man had a rope wrapped many times around his waist. The rope looked like it might stretch to a length of at least 30 feet. The stranger began to unwrap the rope as he walked. Just as the two men were about to meet, the stranger said, pardon me, sir, would you be so kind as to hold the end of this rope for me? Without thinking, almost instinctively, the man reached out and took the rope. Thank you, said the stranger. He then added, two hands now, and remember, hold tight. And at that point, the stranger jumped off the bridge. The strong pull from the now extended rope was so strong it almost dragged the man over the side of the bridge into the treacherous river below. He shouted over the railing, what are you trying to do? Just hold tight, the stranger called back. This is ridiculous, the man thought. He began trying to haul the stranger up, but the task was beyond his strength. Why did you do this? He yelled in frustration over the edge. Remember, said the stranger, if you let go, I will die. But I cannot pull you up, the man cried. 
I'm your responsibility, said the stranger. I did not ask for this, the man said. If you let go, I am lost, repeated the stranger. The man began to look around for help and no one was within sight. He began to think about his predicament. Here he was eagerly pursuing a unique opportunity to fulfill his dream. And now he was being sidetracked for who knows how long. Maybe I can tie the rope somewhere, he thought. He, ex he examined the bridge carefully, but there was no way to get rid of his newfound burden. Again, he yelled over the edge, what do you want? Just your help, came the answer. How can I help? I can't pull you in and there's no place to tie the rope while I find someone else who could help you. Just keep hanging on, replied the dangling stranger. My life is in your hands. The man was stumped. If I let go all my life, I will always regret I let this stranger die. If I stay, I will never reach my dreams or destiny. Either way, this will haunt me forever. Time passed, still no one came. The man became keenly aware that it was almost too late to resume his journey. If he didn't leave immediately, he wouldn't arrive in time. Finally, a new idea came to him. Listen, he explained to the man hanging below. I think I know how to save you. He could not pull the stranger up solely by his own effort, but if the stranger would shorten the rope by wrapping it around his waist again and again, together they could do it. But the dangling man had no interest. You mean you won't help, he shouted to the stranger. I can't hold on much longer. If you don't, I will die, came the reply. At this moment, a revelation came to the man on the bridge, an idea that until this moment he would never have considered. Listen carefully, the man said. I mean what I'm about to say. The dangling stranger looked up, hopeless and despondent. I will not accept the position of choice for your life, only for, uh, for my own, the man said. From this moment on, I give the power of choice for your own life back to you. What do you mean, the stranger asked, clearly afraid. I mean, simply, it's up to you. You decide your future. I will be the counterweight. You do the pulling and bring yourself up. I will tug some from here. The man unwound the rope from around his waist and braced himself to be the counterweight. You cannot mean what you say, the stranger shrieked. You would not be so selfish. I'm your responsibility. What could be so important that you would let me die? After a long silence, the man on the bridge said slowly, I accept your choice. Mm -hmm. And he let go of the rope and continued on his journey over the bridge. First time I read that, I was like, oh, dang. <laughs> because can I be honest, as a pastor sometimes, a lot of times, I feel this responsibility to, to keep all the ropes. Your staff, your leaders in the church sometimes feel this responsibility. And I would be willing to bet right now that if you were to think about the relationships in your life, I would be willing to bet that almost everyone in the room has someone in your life that you want more for them than they want for themselves. Absolutely. And you can't figure out why you're so frustrated about why they won't get it together. And the painful reality is they have the life that they want. They just don't have the life that you want for them. And you got to let it go. You got to embrace, embrace boundaries. All right. So that's the first one As I can't help everybody. <laughs> just let that sit there for a second. I can't help everybody, everyone. But number two, I can't be everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Now, I will admit that this is not as big a struggle for me as the first one because I like being by myself in my rocking chair. I'm like 37 <laughs> going on 87, okay? <laughs> but I am married to someone who has some real FOMO. Yes, I do. And, and so this is something that we're working through as our family. I have to share this. So last Sunday, y'all know it was Friends and Family Day here at the church. I had a wedding shower at 1 p.m., a wedding at 3, and a dinner party at 5.30. Mm. I was literally, and they were, like, one was in Indiana, one was in, I mean, they were far away from each other, and I am killing myself trying to be in multiple places at the same time. And I think it's so natural for so many of us, depending on your personality and how you're wired, to feel like that is the sacrifice that we are supposed to make for people, and that's tricky. 
That's tricky. And none of those in and of themselves is necessarily sinful or wrong or that I made the wrong choice about last Sunday. But if I am leaned into seeking first the kingdom of God, then I have a grace for myself to say, it's okay. You don't have to be committed to all of those. And realistically, you are limited and your capacity can't be in all of those places at the same time. And, and, And so when we're talking about schedule and saying no to things, we feel, this, we feel this responsibility like we have to give an explanation for why we can't. But you don't. <laughs> Did you know that? That if someone asks something of you, you can say, I can't, and you don't have to tell them why. But if they do ask for a reason, let me give you a new reason. You ready? Here we go. Because I'm limited. That's good. I'm limited. I could, but I'm not going to. I can't because I'm limited. And if I say yes to you, that means I'm saying no to something else. And so I can't. I can't be everywhere. And every person in the room right now, you are committed to something that you wish you hadn't committed to. And you feel as if you can't say no. You can't get out. You can't be done. We um, recently accidentally stepped in this in our family because we have a rule that we established long before we realized it was a rule. It was a boundary, yeah. It was a boundary where we said, okay, you can only, to our kids, you can only play one sport at a time. Well, we only had one kid playing sports. <laughs> so it was awesome, you know? And uh, I was the coach, so I got to set the practice schedule and everything. Well, then our, our second daughter, Nora, wanted to play this season, so we signed her up, and, um, and she said, Dad, will you coach my team? And I was like, yeah, no problem. And then our son, Solomon, wanted to play baseball, so we signed him up, and he said, Dad, will you coach the team? And I said, sure, no problem. <laughs> And so I realized that I was coaching three teams and we had three kids abiding by the rule of only playing one sport at a time. Um, And so I felt like the worst parent in the world, but I had to back out of one kid. I couldn't coach that team because the schedule didn't work out. And sports is kind of my category in our family and and, and in our marriage. And Andrew just kind of shows up with the the folding chair and and hangs out. And um, I'm a great cheerleader. And, uh, and so she says to me, she's like, hey, the seasons are getting ready to start. We need to just sync up our calendars. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. So I grab my phone and she's like, so what does it look like next week? And I was like, yeah, it's not that bad. Let's see. Um, we have uh, a game Monday, a game Tuesday, a game <laughs> Sa- Monday for Sadie, a game Tuesday for Solomon, a game Wednesday for Sadie. Um, practice Thursday. Practice Thursday for a, Nora. A Friday, Friday off. No, Friday was baseball for Solomon. Friday, that's right. Saturday, Friday, baseball. So, Saturday, Saturday, game soccer, for, Nora, for Nora. And then Sunday, practice for Solomon. I was furious. And I was like, oh, man, I didn't even realize we just committed every, <laughs> every day, day of the week. Now, listen, is this a Christian issue? Of course not. Of course not. But it does affect our souls and it does affect our families and it does, our schedules do affect these things. And so I accidentally realized that for the next eight weeks, every day of the week, we got we're home. We're praying for rain, and literally. And we were rushing, <laughs> rushing. Anybody else praying for the rain out? Come on, anybody else? Just cancel. And then it snowed. Yeah. Y'all remember it snowed in like the crazy, anyway. And so it's just real life. And, and so we're almost done. We have this last week, this week. We're like, thank you, God. But, um, but, but what we realized is in trying to be good parents and in trying to be right and good and, you know, noble and helpful and all these things and wanting to coach because I can't stand not coaching because I'm coaching from the sideline and all this stuff. And, and, and what we realized is that we're not unlimited. We're, li- we're, we're limited. Yeah. 
And this is not healthy for our family and it's not healthy for our marriage. And so we're now trying to talk about and figure out as hard as it is how we can, how we can do that. But we can't, we can't be everywhere. And so I want to encourage you to look at your schedule because foot traffic will kill your root system. Yes. And so I want to encourage you to look at your calendar and look at your schedule and say, I, I can, I can do these things, but I'm going to choose to embrace some limits and I'm going to choose to embrace some boundaries. And I'm going to, cho- we, for years, like years. Saturdays, Saturdays was like were sacred. sacred. Saturday us. nights were sacred. He yeah. was getting ready for church and I wanted him to be in a headspace where it was really. And so for a long time, like we would say no to friends. We can't, I'm so sorry. No. Oh, Saturday night. Ugh. Is there another night of the week that we could do something at all costs when we could say no to a Saturday night, we would say no. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think again, like things change. It's not a forever boundary. Sometimes it is, you know, different, yeah. uh, but it, 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 it matters. And I think it also, um, helps other people. You don't realize this, but as other people are watching the decisions that you're making, you're also not that they need your permission, but sometimes you're giving them permission to set boundaries too. Yeah. Start paying attention. Start looking for when somebody, you say, hey, we're all going to go out of town this weekend. We're taking a trip to Nashville. It's going to be great. It costs you like $800. It's fine. And you're like, whoa, no. And you say no. And your friends are like, come on, you can, you, you got a credit card. Just put it on. You can, you know, they'll make you feel guilty. What I would challenge all of us, be the friend who's like, dude, I'm proud of you. That's great. High five. Good job. Way to set boundaries. You'll start seeing the people in your life feel freedom to have boundaries and limits as well. Yeah. And so, listen, we know, like we're talking like these cute little examples of sports and stuff. We know that like there are really hard issues. Like, like you're in a, uh, you're sharing custody. You're in a, yeah. you know, a, a relationship where you're co-parenting. You don't want to be the bad parent. You don't want to be the lame parent. You know, it's like, hey, listen, I'm trying to set limits on Christmas spending. So, you know, here's a couple of shirts, you know, and then the other parent gets them like a PS5. But you're like, but here's what God said. Jesus said, if you'll say yes to me, I'll make sure all Amen. the other yeses work Amen. out. Amen. Amen. And I know it seems impossible and it seems like you are lighting your life on fire and ruining your relationships and your social status and your relationship with your kids and relationship with your boss. But if you'll say yes to me, I'll make sure all the other yeses work out. Amen. But, but I have to be the priority. And so we, I, please, I, I, I hate when we speak sometimes and we give examples like, oh, that's so cute. Like y'all fight about that. That's so cute. And you're thinking like, yeah, I, I want to kill people. And y'all are up there like... <laughs> We listen, we get that it's really hard, but we also are now kind of 17 years into living with some boundaries and limits that kind of sometimes make decisions for us as well. So we don't have to do that. But let me give you one more. One more is I can't have everything. I can't have everything. And this is really about money. This is setting a limit in your budget. And this is a budget is a boundary. And we know that freedom is not having unlimited options. Freedom is really... Uh, having uh, uh, freedom within limitations. We use the example of a fish. A fish wanting to be out of water is not freedom, it's death, right? And so a budget is us saying, we'll spend this much on this or this much on this. And this is something, honestly, that like I'm a spender. And so this is something that we fight and work very hard on to, to, to try to set boundaries and we're constantly having to reset and constantly having to go back and set new boundaries and things like that because I'm a spender. I love, to, I love to spend. But some of you in here, like I would say most of us in here can think about a pain, a pressure point in your life right now because you, you, you didn't say no. You figured out a way to afford it 
or to figure out a way to get it, but you couldn't afford it. And you just kept asking all of your friends until you found a friend who were like, dude, that's a great idea. <laughs> you know, the first three friends were like, I don't know, you know. And then your fifth friend was like, I love that. And you're like, that's, I know, you know what, thank you. I, that's what I thought too. And then you went and did it. And <laughs> 90 days, there was no payments. But then Come now on. it's like a $900 truck, $900 a month or something like that. I don't know, trucks are really expensive. But, um, <laughs> you, know, or, or what, you know, whatever it is. And Andrea and I are actually been walking through this yeah. right now because, yeah. um, because like we were looking at moving. We were going to, Andrea wanted to move and I love her. And so I wanted to support her. And, um, but I have a cheap house payment and I like that. And, wow. um, and we started looking and mathematically we could afford it. You know, the market's crazy right now. So like a thousand square feet is like a million dollars. And so, um, and so we look and found some houses that we could mathematically afford, but we just felt like it was going beyond our limits. And, and it was something we could do, but we didn't feel like we should do. And so we were embracing that. And so this is a whole sermon in and of itself. All of these are, but the courage to say no when you could say yes or when you shouldn't say yes when it comes to money and just embracing this idea, I can't have everything. I can't help everyone. I can't be everywhere. I can't have everything. God did not make me unlimited. So here's our challenge for you. You don't need more time, money, or advice. You need the courage to set boundaries. You ever thought, man, if I just had more time, you know what you would do if you had more time? You'd fill it. You say, I just wish I could cut this relationship out of my life because they're draining me. You know what would happen if you cut that one off? You'd find someone else to drain you. If I just had more money, you know what you'd do? You'd spend it. The problem is not not enough money, advice, relationships, or time. The problem is embracing boundaries. And so let, it, let us end with this encouragement, hopefully. <laughs> um, that some limits are for a season. We're not saying that you're saying no to something forever. There are, there are some things that you're saying for a season. Andrea embraced the limit to, to leave teaching while we were having our fourth kid because she's like, I'm drowning and I, I could continue to teach, but I feel like for, a, you know, for, for this season here, I, I'm gonna come home and that affected our income and that, you know, our budget and our schedule and all of those things, but it was a season. So we're not saying that you're saying no forever. You may just be saying no for a, a season that you need to embrace this limit and that's okay. Some, some, some limits are for seasons. Some limits are for a reason. Maybe, you're, maybe you are um, choosing this limit or this boundary for a very specific reason in your life. Maybe it's a physical health reason or an emotional mental health reason. You don't know how long you'll need to embrace this limit or this boundary, but you're saying, you know what? There's a compelling reason why I need to. And um, Andrea has a really, really powerful story of how this played out in our lives. Yeah, so actually it's kind of tied to the earlier one. We did make the decision for me to stop teaching because of a season of raising babies, raising kids. And um, I actually ended up coming on staff here at the church and I was uh, the worship and creative pastor. Um, and it was, it was great and it was perfect for that season. Um, but after a couple of years, um, I went through a couple of rounds of, um, I realized I had an autoimmune disorder and I didn't know that. And I got really, really sick and my whole body from my chest all the way down to my legs was covered in red spots. And I went to a specialist and I had all kinds of lab work done. And, um, I cried in one of the doctor's offices. She said, do you have any like things stressful going on in your life? And I just broke. I think I had been in Four total. kids. I worked for my husband. <laughs> uh. We just got through Christmas. You know, I mean, it was, 
um, it was a lot. And I think even in that moment, I had not been totally honest with myself. And her question hit me. Um, it, was, it was pretty big. And a few months later, it happened again. And uh, I was terrified. I was embarrassed. And I felt like a failure. And I felt like it was me admitting that I was incapable. And the truth is, I am incapable of doing all the crazy things that I thought I needed to do for approval. And I had to go to the person I love most in the world and say, I feel like I'm letting you down, but I can't keep doing this. Yeah. And I wish I would have handled that so awesome and well, but really what I did was applied pressure back. Like, no, 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 we can. We'll figure it out. We'll change the hours. You know what we'll do? Because I, I, was not, I was not allowing her to embrace her limits and her boundaries. I was saying, no, 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 we'll figure it out. And I actually took really good friends uh, and elders here in the church. We went to dinner and pretty much they said like, no, like you're out. Like we're not, you're out. We're not doing this anymore. To, to help me realize that, my wife was having physical breakdown because of the pressure that was being applied because of the life that we were trying to live, specifically in our relationship, boss, pastor, marriage, husband, all that stuff. And so the painful embracing of, I feel like I'm letting you down, which you're not, but I feel like you're letting me down. I'm letting you down and I need to step out of this. And I'm sure there's more medical reasons than just this, but like literally a week later. I have to tell you some other, another cool part of the story though. So we had that conversation with the help of some of our elders who were so gracious and so incredible um, to help me have the courage to do that. My last Sunday responsibility was August 25th. We had an all campus worship night and our plan was we were just gonna figure it out. The next morning at 7 a.m., I got a call from Mail High School out of nowhere with a job opportunity that I did not seek out, that I knew nothing about, and it was the perfect fit, and it's exactly where God needed me to be. Yeah. But it, there was no blueprint beforehand. Backup plan. There was no, like, I'm going to jump from this to this. It was a total place of, of me being willing to be humbled and, and swallow my pride and say, I, I can't do it anymore. Yeah to get to the place where then I believe, because I think it would have been so much more tempting to say, oh, I've got this all figured out. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I, again, a whole nother sermon, but our identity is wrapped up in it. Our perception of how other people view it, like it is complicated. Um, but it, it, my point is that God, God is orchestrating the places of rest for you yeah. and the solutions that you're afraid of. God is working on your behalf. He is. Um, and, and I don't get to share that part of the story very often, but it is, a, it is a God's sovereignty is at work in our lives. So a lot of the physical healing came from embracing a limit on your schedule and responsibility and uh, was, was amazing. And so some limits are for a season, some are for a reason. Let me give you one more. Some limits are forever. There are some things that you need to say no to in your life right now and, and never go back. You need to embrace a limit and never go back back. There are some relationships and some numbers in your phone right now that needs to be deleted and never go back. There are some romantic relationships you need to end and never go back. There, there are some places that you go that you need to end and never go back. 
There are some deeply held beliefs uh, that you need to, to eliminate and never go back. And so, yes, some are just seasonal and some are for very specific reasons, but others, you are continuing to, 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 to exceed boundaries and you can't figure out why you can't piece it together. And it's because you're trying to say yes to everything. And God says, if you'll say yes to me, one priority, if you'll say yes to me, I'll make all the other yeses for the life that, you're, that you need to have fit together. And it's hard. Oh, it's so hard. And you feel so much pressure. And, but, but God promises that if we will seek him first priority, that the rest of the things in our life that our needs that we need to have will come together. So we want to pray for you uh, that we would have the courage to embrace limits. We'd have the courage to embrace limits. And Andrea and I are actually about to go on a sabbatical. We told you about it last week or two weeks ago, I think, letter in the mail. Um, This is for us a way that we're embracing limits, that we're trying to strip away some some things that we've maybe overextended ourselves to step back and say, God, we're going to embrace limits for this season the sabbatical season to come back, to be able to, 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 to say yes to the right things and to lead the way we're supposed to lead. And, and you would think it would be easy. Like, wow, that sounds amazing. I wish I could just do that. But like, can I tell you how anxious it has made me feel personally to like step away from things that are so defining and things like that. And so my point in saying is just like, I know that it's hard and I know that it's pressure and I know that it feels impossible. And we live in a society and a culture and a world that's like, no, you can do it. You can have it. You can be it. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. That's not the life that, that Jesus has for you. The life he has for you is a life that is limited, but in those limits is unlimited freedom. So I want to pray for you. God, thank you that in Jesus, you gave us an example of someone choosing limits, choosing to... Uh, choosing to say no to so many things so that he could say yes to the most important thing, which was the cross, so that I could have a relationship with you, so that we could have a relationship with you, God. And so God, I just pray that today we would have the courage to embrace the boundaries and the limits for our life. Not all of them are salvation issues, God. Some of them are just wisdom and stewardship issues, but God, I pray that you would give us the courage to trust that if we will make you the most important thing, you'll make everything else fit together the way it's supposed to fit together. But God, if we try to piece our life together, it'll never fit together just right. And so God, I pray that we would trust you with our lives, with our future, with our families, with our jobs, with our careers, with all the things that we're worried about. We would embrace the limits and the boundaries that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.